You may have recently heard or read about modern monetary theory. Modern monetary theory, or MMT, is a macroeconomic theory that, to this point, has been confined to the far corners of economic academia due to its unorthodox underpinnings. Why are we discussing MMT in our podcast today? Well, it's the topic du jour, and it's become more prominent in our political discourse and likely becomes a bigger and bigger issue as we enter the time period around our 2020 presidential election. Hi, everybody, and welcome to The Pulse, where we cover trends in the economy, markets, and asset allocation for long-term investors. I'm Matt Palazzolo, and today, to discuss modern monetary theory and its realities, I'm joined by Eric Winograd, our U.S. senior economist. So, Eric, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. So, Eric, let's just start real big picture. Not all of our listeners know what modern monetary theory is, or MMT. Let's start there. What is it? Thanks, Matt. And you know what? That's actually a harder question to answer than it appears, because one of the things that that has made MMT sort of controversial is that it means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. For our purposes, I don't think it's very useful to get bound up in sort of a textbook definition of what MMT is. What I think we want to do is identify the principles underlying it, because that's really what matters to policymakers in Mm -hmm. particular, Mm -hmm. most of whom are not academic uh, economists anyway. So the underlying principle here, the, the, the starting point, is that policymakers should use fiscal policy, should use government spending rather than interest rates to try to put an economy into equilibrium. Mm-hmm. So instead of raising or lowering interest banks through a central bank, you increase government spending, for example, when you want to boost demand, when you want to support the, the economy. Uh, and you can do that, importantly, without necessarily having to raise taxes, uh, because the idea behind MMT is that a government that issues debt in its own currency can never default. Mm -hmm. So there is no upper limit, according to this theory, on the amount of debt that a government can issue. So if an economy is weak, you just issue a bunch of debt and you use that money to spend, and that spending boosts the economy and pushes you back into equilibrium. The only constraint that you would face, according to this theory, again, it's not the debt level, it's inflation. Mm -hmm. And the answer if you do start to encounter inflation, isn't to raise interest rates, because remember, we've done away with that as a policy tool. Mm. It's to raise taxes to slow the economy. So instead of the framework we have today, where you raise or lower interest rates, you have a framework where a government spends more when it wants to boost the economy and taxes more when it wants to slow inflation. I think that last point is really important to, to underscore. Our current framework is that monetary policy driven by the Federal Reserve allows the economy to accelerate if when we're in weakness or to slow down when things are overheating. Modern monetary theory pushes that responsibility to fiscal policy, to legislators and government in order to calibrate the and pull levers in order to uh, normalize economic activity. Right. And the important underpinning there is that you can do it because you can issue as much debt as you want without fear of default. Mm-hmm. Now, What's controversial about it, though? So there are a couple of things that are controversial about that. The, the, the most controversial or, or the one that generally is going to receive the most controversy is the idea that you can issue an unlimited amount of debt. And that's because if you look back at the historical experience of countries that have tried to do this, that, that have experimented with massive issuance of debt, uh, you do see periods of hyperinflation that have proven extremely difficult to, to fight back. Um, 
most orthodox economists, myself included, would argue that the laws of supply and demand mean that if you issue additional debt, interest rates on that debt are going to rise and the cost of servicing that is going to rise and that that by itself uh, can constrain an economy and can limit an economy's performance. Mm -hmm. Remember that it isn't just the government that issues debt. Uh, Private sector entities also issue debt, and they do so often at a spread to the treasury rate. Mm -hmm. So if the government issues an enormous amount of debt and interest rates rise, and then the corporations issuing off of that treasury debt also face higher interest rates, uh, that could slow the economy even at a time when you're not trying to. What's the relationship between issuing all of this debt and then higher inflation? Is there some transfer mechanism that leads from um, uh, no ceiling on debt levels and an unlimited amount of debt in the system to then higher than normal inflation? So there's two channels you want to think about there. One is simply the idea of stimulating the demand side of the economy. So if the government is issuing very large amounts of debt and spending that money, that should increase aggregate demand in the economy and push prices higher over time. Mm -hmm. So you can get that direct channel. Uh, Historically, another way that this has manifested itself, though, is in currency depreciation. If you're constantly issuing additional Mm -hmm. debt, over time it tends to devalue your currency, and that has an impact on inflation as well. Okay, so so we've covered to this point what MMT is, why it's controversial. Why is it becoming more and more popular now? So it's becoming more and more popular now for a couple reasons. Uh, the first is simply politics. Uh, there's a lot of appeal to policymakers in a general sense to the idea that, that MMT represents something like a free lunch, the idea that you can boost social spending uh, without really facing consequences for that is very popular. The idea that you can spend more without having to pay for it, in essence, mm-hmm. uh, is something that politicians of all stripes are always going to like. We're living in a populist moment right now where significant portions of the population don't feel adequately supported by the, the political system. And that's a U.S. comment and, and globally as oh, well, it's right? It's happening all over the world, populism. Absolutely. Yeah. It's definitely true in the United States, but it's equally true globally. Uh, we're talking about MMT primarily in the context of the U.S., but mm-hmm. it is a global phenomenon. And in fact, in the U.K., for example, uh, MMT has been under discussion publicly at least a little bit longer uh, and probably in more depth than it has in the U.S., um, we can talk about the, the, the political reasons for that within mm-hmm. the U.K. system, but, but just take it as, a, as an accepted sort of fact that this is a global phenomenon. And this populist moment has led to calls for government to provide additional support to people. And MMT is an elegant way, theoretically, for those who think that the government should provide more support to do so without being faced with the, the, the inevitable response mm-hmm. of how are you going to pay for all mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Right? So, so, so that political demand is a big part of the reason that we're talking about it. That has been boosted, though, by the fact that if you look at the global economy and global financial markets over the past decade or so, there's actually evidence that some of the precepts of MMT are true, and equally that many of the people who would argue against it have been proven wrong in many respects. Mm -hmm. And we'll just use the U.S. as an example here. The U.S. has issued an enormous amount of debt over the course of the last decade. Proponents of MMT would argue that that should not push up interest rates or weaken the currency, while those who push more orthodox economic policies, and particularly those who push for austerity, for for reduced government deficits, would argue that it's very dangerous. Well, if we look at the past decade in the U.S., interest rates really haven't gone up, right? And inflation really hasn't gone up. And, And so at least that part of what people who advocate MMT would argue has some empirical evidence in the near term. 
Uh, I, I should hasten to add that you don't have to believe in MMT to explain those phenomena. And certainly, right, I was going to ask, is yeah. that coincidence or is that, is that causal? It, it's difficult to say. Right. What I would observe is that most Keynesian economists would also come to similar conclusions, uh, at least on the inflation side of things, when they look at the experience of the past decade. And to be fair, many Keynesians 10 years ago were arguing uh, – Along these same lines. So, so it is not uniquely MMT that mm-hmm. has been correct over the past decade. Mm-hmm. Uh, it certainly does appear that those arguing austerity have been incorrect. There are multiple theoretical ways to get to what has been correct, but MMT is one of them. And for the proponents of MMT who are looking to capitalize on a political populist moment, that evidence is an important reason to talk about MMT more, and it gives them additional credibility, mm-hmm. for sure. So MMT seems like it's economic theory. So why is it that, that Wall Street is talking about it a lot? Why, I mean, why in, in your role, in your meetings with fixed income, why are, why are we talking about it? It's an economic theory, but it has obvious financial market implications too. Uh, for fixed income investors who are and have been uh, working within an orthodox framework, the idea of a significant increase in government debt can be threatening. Uh, those frameworks would argue that over time that should lead to higher interest rates and mm-hmm. higher inflation. And so if you are a holder of fixed income, if you are an investor in fixed income, and you have an orthodox framework, MMT represents a threat to what you have believed, what the underpinnings of your investment strategy are. And so uh, it does have that uh, risk factor for fixed income investors. On the other side of the coin, for equity investors, the prospect of additional spending, additional government spending, uh, is something that could boost growth. And so it does require, Mm -hmm. to the extent you think it's going to be taken seriously as a policy measure, it requires some thought. And and if you believe it is going to happen, it it requires some adjustment of your investment strategies. Just thinking through our current situation in the United States, obviously, as I said in in the intro, this will become a bigger and bigger issue as we enter the election season in 2020. But thinking about our current situation, the president, other elected officials, would you would you say that the president is is an MMT or I mean he doesn't necessarily arguably think about debt and deficit levels to the extent that the traditional Republicans do, but so where do you stand on that? So I would say that the president is sort of half of an MMT or if okay. you will, because you're correct. He doesn't appear to have any concern about debt or deficit levels and he doesn't appear to have any concern about government spending in the sense that last year, even in a strong economy, he significantly boosted, uh, with the help of Congress, of course, but significantly boosted government spending in the fiscal deficit. So, So in that regard, I think he shares part of the framework with MMT. But remember that MMT also argues that when you do have to worry about inflation, you need to raise taxes in order to confront that in order to slow the economy. Uh, we're not in that situation, but I'm pretty skeptical mm-hmm. that the president or the Republican Party would support the raising of taxes uh, to, combat, to combat inflation, mm-hmm. particularly if the money that had been spent was spent on social programs. Yep. Right? So, so there, you know, I, I don't think of the Trump administration properly as supporting MMT. Right. I, I do think it's correct that they don't care about debt or deficits, uh, but, but that, it takes more than that to be a, a wholehearted MMT advocate. Yeah. Okay. So fair point. So um, to this point, you've laid out uh, an argument or at least some evidence that the last 10 years could seemingly support MMT as a viable theory. Um, what's the problem? Like, like, what's the downside? What are the risks of MMT in your mind? There are a few reasons that I'm very skeptical about MMT as a long-term policy solution and why I think that most economists are also. One is simply the the history of it. You know, MMT 
as it is being discussed, seems new to us, but there have been experiments with similar types of policy regimes in the past. And as I said earlier, most of those have ended badly. Mm -hmm. They end in hyperinflation and misallocation of resources. And, And that misallocation of resources gets to what I think the biggest problem with MMT is, which is that it necessarily means a much larger role for the government in allocating resources for spending money Mm -hmm. within an economy. Mm -hmm. If you think back to the framework, the idea that the government calibrates supply and demand by managing its spending, uh, and when the economy is weak, that would mean the government spends more. If you believe that government spending is efficient or is equally efficient to private sector spending, there's no problem there. I don't believe that. I don't think that the evidence supports that. I, I was going to say, that that's, a, that's time, a leap, isn't it? That, that is a leap, right? And if you don't believe that, if you think the government spending is less efficient than private sector spending, then what you would prefer is the framework we have now, whereby managing interest rates, the government tries to incentivize private sector spending that is more efficient. Now, I'm not saying that there is no role for government in this. I certainly think that there is when the economy is particularly weak or, for example, when we were at the zero bound on interest Mm -hmm. rates, when the Fed couldn't realistically cut interest rates any further, then fiscal policy and government spending are absolutely essential. And wasn't wasn't it the Fed that a number of times, I forget exactly uh, who it was, it might have been Yellen, who advocated for greater fiscal policy when they were at the zero bound? Absolutely. And and when monetary policy is constrained, fiscal policy becomes absolutely critical. I think if you look back at the history of the recovery from the last recession, one of the things that is pretty clear is that fiscal policy did not do enough, Mm -hmm. that there should have been more government spending to boost economic growth earlier and more aggressively, uh, which, again, is something that MMTers point to correctly as as supporting their worldview. Um, All the same, When monetary policy is not at the zero bound, when you can manage the economy by moving interest rates, I think the historical evidence is pretty clear that you would prefer to see private sector investment and private sector uh, allocation of resources rather than government resources. You know, I've heard you talk about this, and I know you have a couple of other reasons for for the potential shortcomings around MMT beyond the role of the state. But when I've heard you talk about this before, what occurred to me is um, the challenge of legislating, meaning if you're trying to boost economic activity, the Fed can very easily lower interest rates, right? They they are independent, seemingly. They can lower interest rates in order to boost economic activity. The state has to, or government has to, legislate, and that takes time. And and often enough, you don't have time like that in order to do that. Not only do you not have time, so so that's exactly right, right? On the downside, you need to move very quickly, and the legislative process can make that very difficult. But there's a bigger time inconsistency problem here, Right. Remember that the remedy for inflation in most MMT frameworks is higher taxes. Mm -hmm. In order for MMT to be credible over the longer term, you as an investor or as an economic actor need to believe today that the the government, that the Congress, will raise taxes in the future if inflation gets Mm -hmm. out of hand. Mm -hmm. I, I, speaking for myself here, am, again, very skeptical that a government would be quick enough, aggressive enough, or even willing in many circumstances to raise taxes to mm-hmm. fight inflation in the future. You know, tax increases are not popular. And what if we were in a stagflation economy where you have inflation, but the economy is not growing particularly right. well? These decisions are incredibly difficult, yep. and putting the political system into them makes them even more so. That time inconsistency, the need to believe that the government will do something in the future today— uh, 
poses concerns about the long-term risk of inflation. And again, this gets to why historically uh, this sort of policy experiment has failed, Mm -hmm. right? It's not hard to believe that a government will spend more money to boost growth. It is hard to believe that the government will tighten its belt to fight inflation. And the result could be that inflation expectations go up and you could get a lot more inflation than you bargained for, Mm -hmm. right? I know it sounds far-fetched now. We've spent a lot of time arguing and writing on our blog about how we think inflation needs to go up, how the Fed wants inflation to be higher. But it's also a case of, you know, you need to be careful what you wish for. We want a little bit more inflation, not a lot more inflation. And if MMT or a similar policy is not credible, you could get a lot more inflation than you bargained for. So last question, we will be hearing more and more about this over the next 18 months or so. In your opinion, based on all of your research and your understanding of MMT and the political situation, do you think it will happen to any meaningful degree? So I I got asked this question fairly recently. I was speaking to an an event, um, and the question was, you know, we've heard this push for MMT, for redistribution, and and for, you know, less predictable policies. Do you think that that's going to happen? And my answer was no, yes, and yes, (laughs) which is to say no. I don't think that we're going to get orthodox MMT. I think it is still a fairly fringy theory. I think there's a lot of institutional inertia and the idea of doing away with an independent Federal Reserve and handing the management of the economy over to a dysfunctional Congress seems to me to be quite unlikely. Bridge too far. A bridge too far. I certainly hope it will be. Uh, But the underlying populist pressures are still there. Mm -hmm. And I do think that we are going to see policies one way or another that lead to a redistribution, that lead to a more, whether you want to call it progressive or liberal or however you want to think about it, something that tries to pull people who are not engaged in, who don't feel represented by the political system into it. And and that almost necessarily means some sort of redistributive policy, uh, some sort of populist policy. Mm -hmm. And again, it could be progressive and liberal. It could be conservative and and right-wing. I'm not sure how that plays out, but this populist moment is going to last until we address the underlying imbalances in the economy. And that necessarily means we'll get less predictable policymaking. So no, I don't think we'll get MMT. Yes, I do think we're going to get some sort of re- pressure to, for redistribution. And yes, I do think that's going to lead to less predictable policymaking going forward. This is a fa- fascinating topic. So I, I appreciate uh, all the work you and your team have done on it and then coming in to share some of your insights. So Eric, thanks again for coming to our show. And thanks to all of you for listening. If you'd like to learn more, check out our blog on MMT in this episode's description. Also, please email us with your thoughts or questions or any feedback that you have to insights at Bernstein.com, and be sure to find us on Twitter at Bernstein PWM. Bernstein, making money meaningful for individuals, families, and foundations for over 50 years. Visit us at Bernstein.com.